0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Compliant with Alliant, bringing you insights on the ever-changing world of benefits compliance and what you need to know now. Today, as usual, it's me, Christine Blanco. Uh, I'm an attorney here with Alliant uh, Employee Benefits Compliance Department and Diana Craig. Hi, everybody. And today we're going to tackle the subject or at least part of the subject of wellness plans and specifically sort of what is happening as it relates to pending litigation between um, the EEOC and the AARP. And before I really, I mean, we'll talk through this, um, but Diana happens to be our resident um, wellness or health and productivity compliance expert here at Alliant. And so she's going to have a conversation about um, what's happening with that case. But before we do that, I want to talk through a little bit about um, some foundational, just so, so I make sure we're all on the same page and can understand sort of what we're talking about. We're talking about wellness plans. We call it health and productivity. Essentially, where you design a program for your employees where perhaps they can receive an incentive, um, for participating in a walking program, um, completing biometrics, um, completing a health risk assessment. And there are a lot of regulatory ties to these types of programs. Um, most commonly, we are usually talking about these in the context of HIPAA, or even GINA, the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act. But today we're going to talk about these programs as it relates to the Americans with Disabilities Act because there is um, a strong tie there, too. And so, real quickly, I'll run through. I mean, Diana, is there anything you want to say before I take on the basics?
1: No, but I think it, you know it's really worth noting that... Um, wellness programs aren't really defined anywhere. Uh, They're just sort of this uh, organic creation that um, employers started implementing, and regulations kind of grew up then around them And the scope of um, regulatory compliance for wellness plans is really just tremendous. It it is one of the most complex, heavily regulated areas. Mm -hmm. And when we pull back on it, HIPAA is always where we start, and then we usually go into the ADA. um, Then we go into GINA, and then it can even be uh, Mm -hmm. HIPAA, COBRA, and ERISA.
0: That's right. It doesn't end there. And I think it's a I don't want to say it's an actively misunderstood area. I think it's just a it's an
1: unexplored area. I I was going to call it a quagmire, but a that's quagmire. not
0: nice.
1: <laughs> um a sticky wicket perhaps
0: <laughs> i mean as many times as i can say that phrase uh in a podcast but i and i think you know we could probably do a number of other podcasts on sort of regulatory frameworks that apply to group health or to uh, wellness plans because um, i've just stolen my thunder there on you know are they group health plans is another whole other issue altogether so that's a really good point uh, but we're going to refine the scope today to really um this this litigation and specifically sort of the basics on what the ADA requires. So, real quickly, the ADA generally limits employers um, from having a physical exam or requiring a physical exam or a health related inquiry on its employees, unless it is job related or part of what's called a voluntary wellness program and voluntary in that context means that obviously employees are not required to participate participate rather that seems fairly obvious Employer, employees cannot be penalized for not participating and the incentive to participate is not too great. So too great an incentive would render it involuntary. And what I mean by incentive is if you participate in this program, you receive X amount of dollars, let's say off your premium or your deductible, um, and it's important to note HIPAA allows incentives as well, but um, there's there's different incentive li- limits between HIPAA and the ADA, and so there's just been a lot of noise around this. So, do you want to take a, take it from here a little bit?
1: Oh, I'm, I am happy to jump in <laughs> at this point. Just
0: jumping <laughs> at it.
1: I love wellness plans, um, and I do love wellness plan compliance. She has a
0: bumper sticker. I heart <laughs> wellness.
1: <laughs> but what I will tell you out of the gate is, um, yes, HIPAA has incentive limits for health contingent programs. Um, we've, we've known what those limits are. Uh, the agencies have told us what those limits are. What has been tricky under the ADA and when we were trying to figure out you know, what kind of incentive is too great of an incentive to render an inquiry or exam involuntary. We haven't had guidance there. And this goes back, at least in my memory, uh, to some EEOC opinion letters Mm -hmm. from early 2009, where they just were kind of like, hey, you can't make somebody totally ineligible for all your benefit plans if they refuse to do biometrics or a health risk assessment. Um, and P.S. Certain incentives might be too great, so they they were sort of breadcrumbing this back in mm-hmm. two thousand and nine,
0: right? And we it was a little bit like, well, is this okay? Is nobody that okay? Nobody knew. Is what this okay? Was okay? There, it was definitely a period of time where nobody knew, and it was oh, okay. Well, you know, and, and it became frustrating, and especially as it relates to um, to some litigation. That, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, so we, we started out in 2009 with those kind of weird opinion letters where we were all left scratching our heads. And then it got um, a, a little bit more scary because then the EU. And frustrating, I would say, oh, don't you think? Right. It was, yeah. It was incredibly frustrating. Um, frustrating for us, frustrating for employer plans. Um, so they started um, suing different employer plans challenging those incentive limits and you know some of them yeah did stack up to be a little bit high but a lot of them were pretty traditional mm-hmm. Well, especially, especially the times. honeywell case Okay. Oh, right? yeah there was honeywell mm-hmm. there was uh flambeau mm-hmm. uh orion energy so they're they're suing employers and that was really really very well very, especially very, because very... industry groups had requested that they issue guidance on this for a number of
0: years and 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 it was silence and then met with essentially litigation
1: Yes, um, but so when the EEOC they did they did eventually issue draft regs and then they issued final regs. It was May of 2016, and the regs were a little bit uh, crazy. I remember you know Chris and I having some raised voice um, <laughs> discussions about what they meant and could they possibly mean this because it was a little bit weird. They they deviated from HIPAA incentive limits in some weird ways, but they basically came down and said. Look, thirty percent of the you know employee only cost is going to be a ballpark of what we think is okay. Tobacco cessation, fifty percent, which is fine under HIPAA, is fine with us," said EEOC, as long as you don't start doing something like cotinine testing, right. which would be a medical exam. So, so that was where we landed, and most employers um, were just happy to get some certainty. But then, um, what happened next was the AARP. Sued EEOC challenging those regs, and their position was basically that, you know, almost any incentive is going to be too great. We don't want any incentive. It all renders it involuntary, Um, and so that creates a conflict with HIPAA, and, you know, most of us don't want to see that. So right, I,
0: right. It, it i mean and it, it sent employers into a little bit at least from those those that are fairly well versed mm-hmm. in um in wellness into a, a fairly heightened state of concern about what does this mean because employers we've seen employers in the past a lot of energy and even resources into these health and productivity wellness designs, and the return on investment on it is is never immediate. It's always sort of a long term strategy, and so the thought of having to maybe rewind this was very disconcerting.
1: Well, and most again, most of the uh, employers implementing these these types of wellness plans, they're very good intentioned. So it, it was um, it was frustrating. Exactly. It was a stumbling block, and where the EEOC got unwind uh, unwound a little bit on this was. Again, those those final regs were a little bit wonky. They didn't necessarily make a lot of sense to a lot of us, but we were happy to have certainty, and they weren't deviating so far afield from HIPAA that we were like, we can make this work. So, yeah, so
0: tell us where it is now, what's happened and where it is.
1: Okay, so uh, basically in August of 2017, uh, the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia said, hey, these, these regs are not adequately supported. We need you to revisit these. Um, and sort of get us either new regulations or a better foundation or justification for what you said in these regulations. And that's not uncommon. But the problem was EEOC came back and basically said um, their timeline for rulemaking was like two or three years. AARP didn't like the timeline and the court agreed that that timeline was not practical. So what the court did was it issued an order vacating the incentive limit Portions of those wrecks. So the thirty mm-hmm. percent, um, and the, you know the GINA tie-in here basically comes down to the fact that through the ADA, uh, only the employer's relationship with the employee is regulated. They mm-hmm. can't necessarily regulate the relationship with, with the plan. S- or with the yeah, spouse. With the, oh, with the yeah, yeah. The so That's so right. they were coming at that relationship with the spouse covenant of the plan mm-hmm. through GINA. So it was an interesting roundabout, but. They uh, basically vacated the incentive limit portions
0: of the ADA and GINA. Which means essentially they lined that portion of the regulations out, right? Yeah. That's what vacated. And
1: and I actually printed those regs Mm -hmm. and, you know, did a strike through on the specific sections that are, you know, in theory going to go away. But so that order is only effective January one. 2019 so we were all kind of waiting and watching you know I was actually very very worried I was going to go on vacation and the EEOC would issue regulations when I was gone
0: Turns out it didn't happen. Some other stuff happened while she was gone, <laughs> but not that. Lots of other interesting stuff happened while I was on
1: vacation, but not this. And then, you know, I actually emailed somebody at the EEOC, and they sort of um, explained why. And then also there was a status conference with the EEOC in the court uh, at AARP in March, and EEOC basically said we're not going to be able to meet this deadline for a host of reasons. Uh, there's been a lot of political changes. And they just—they're not going mm-hmm. to be able to meet that January one deadline. So, yeah, what does that mean for January one, twenty nineteen? What does that—what does that mean? Well, it means that those incentive limits uh, will be, you know, lined struck, out or yeah. right yeah. vacated, struck. struck, struck. <laughs> but I think what we really want to talk about is let, let's assume that that comes mm-hmm. to pass. We right. cross that line on January one. What does that mean for our employees? Right. Do does it blow up all of our plans? And luckily, I think the answer is no. Right. No. And this is where, you know, I was a little bit puzzled because um, it felt like everyone and their brother was doing these huge webinars on this this piece of litigation. And, you know, for my money, what all of this means for practical purposes is not much. Mm-hmm. So um, we kind of go back to the pre-rule...
0: Posture, right? We're kind of in that space, but with a little bit more information.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. so we're we're not going to sit there and go, "Hey, mm-hmm. those incentive limits are gone. Let's quadruple our incentive limits," because we know that the EEOC can still sue us. Mm-hmm. They were suing us in 2014. We're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. We're not going to reduce our incentive uh, incentives to zero, mm-hmm. which is what you know AARP might want because they're not you know in control of this. Right. So and the litigation is not resolved. It's no. not right. Yeah. And the litigation does not require mm-hmm. that. Right. All this means is the the guidance that we had on the thirty percent lifts away. Mm-hmm. But we know what EEOC thinks. So we know if we keep it in that ballpark, they're not gonna sue us. Right. And that's good news.
0: Right. So essentially that portion of the regulation has been vacated, lined out. But to Diana's point, we know. We know they tried. And, you know, it met with litigation, but we have an idea, whereas before they issued the rules, we were really moving around in the dark about um, where the EOC stood. Now we know where they stand. And to Diana's point, we can likely not expect a lawsuit if you're keeping compliant in the fashion that you have been now, assuming you were ADA compliant.
1: Yeah. So, you know, maybe we have a little more uh, latitude after January 1, but we're not going to reduce our incentives to zero and we're not going to, you know, increase them by a, you know, manner of tenfold. Mm -hmm. We're going to probably stick with something close to what we've been doing if we were Mm -hmm. compliant.
0: So we think this is ARPEOC much to do about nothing at this point with
1: respect to how your how your program is designed. Uh, it feels like it should be that to me. Um, and I know sometimes the you know the marketplace will you know do webinars and you know make a fuss over something you know not necessarily for the purpose that it requires employers to make a practical, right. meaningful change. There's no action change. item. There's no right. real action item here. So that's hopefully what we what we leave you guys with today.
0: Good. I think that's a good education. I think actually this also, um, so thank you for that and for your expertise in this particular topic, Diana. And um, I think this also um, really... You know, demonstrates that I think we can dive deeper via podcast on um, health and productivity and wellness plans. There's just so much to mine there. There is a lot to talk about there, and I'm sure you all will be waiting with bated breath for uh, for us to do that. So, thank you for joining us for a, a quick episode of Compliant with Alliant, and we will talk to you next time.